Hey, what up, people? Thank you for listening to the Stuff I Don't Like podcast. I just wanted to take a moment out to thank everyone who's rated and reviewed my podcast. I was looking at the ratings over the weekend, and I saw there was a couple new ones, and I was, like, really touched because the first couple, not gonna lie, I just forced my best friends to write them. (laughs) So it's nice to see that, like, strangers actually took the time to review my podcast and say nice things. Still got that five-star rating. But what I'm asking you to do is if you have not rated or reviewed or subscribed to the podcast and you continue to listen to it week after week, please give us a rating, please. The more subscribes and more ratings and reviews a show gets, the higher it is in the charts. It gets more exposure. You know that section where it recommends other shows for you. They base that on all, you know, the data they have from the ratings and reviews. So I'm trying to get this podcast popping. I'm trying to glow up in 2018. I'm trying to make these money moves. So please, I hate to beg, but I ain't too proud to beg. So leave a review, rate and subscribe, follow, do that shit. Thank you. Today I have a special guest with me. I have Debbie London. She is an author. She is a self-help guru. Uh, how would you describe yourself, Debbie? <laughs> um, I would describe myself as an affirmations aficionado for those who know me or who have been to my page, my Instagram at Debbie L. London. Most mornings I start you off with gratitude affirmations or affirmations of some sort because I believe that speaking over your life is so important not just for positivity's sake but reframing and restructuring the way that you think so you can manifest the things that you want and um agreed I'm a put your business outer person (laughs) as in I put my own business out and the hopes of helping others take a look at themselves in the mirror and not being terrified to do it. So my um, tagline is transforming with transparency for that reason. Um, For whatever God has me on this journey. And it's so strange because if it was up to me, I would not be putting my business out in books and in my blogs and in any (laughs) of my writings because who wants to have their business out for people to critique and judge, but that is just the journey that he has me on. Because many of us, we've just hidden ourselves um, and hidden our stories because we're afraid of judgment and persecution or we feel all alone in what it is that we're going through. When really, it's so many people going through the same thing. So I hope through my transparency that I help people get comfortable with facing and uprooting their own issues so that they can move forward and live their best life. Well, that's awesome. That's that's really great. On my show, I'm all about honesty for sure. And um, I watch a lot of Iyanla uh, videos. So that's Mama right there, Iyanla. Yes, love Iyanla. <laughs> she was saying in one of her videos that basically what you're saying that you have to own your story, and most people are so afraid to. 
be honest about what's happened to them. They want to project this perfect image and everyone's so afraid. But once you're just honest, that, that, that takes away the judgment because if you're just honest with yourself and you tell people, yeah, I did this and people don't have anything to hold over you anymore. There's nothing that people can hurt you with. If you acknowledge your own journey and your own mistakes, like people are so afraid to be honest because, um, they're afraid of what other people will, will think, but by you owning your own truth, you're actually taking away the power from other people. Absolutely. Absolutely agree. And not only are you removing the power from others, you are also um, loosing yourself from your own captivity, if that makes sense. Like mm-hmm. sometimes we hold ourselves hostage with our stuff. And what I mean by that is sometimes we carry so much guilt or we carry um, the repeated negative messages in our mind so much so that they paralyze us in life and we're fearful and we don't move forward with things because of insecurity or a broken heart or whatever it is. And healing is a huge part of just being free from yourself too. And That's old habits and patterns that no longer suit you. A hundred percent true. That's something I'm working on. I mean, we're all a work in progress. So <laughs> some days. Never ending. The journey of improvement is is never ending. Exactly. So I want to talk about your your book. Um, you're an author. You've written a couple books, but your latest book is about red flags and um, how to, I guess, spot them, how to deal with them. So I, I, I agree with you. For me, I think of the relationships that I've been in and all the issues that surfaced later on are basically the same issues that I knew Probably sometimes the first week that I was dating. (laughs) Honestly, but it's like you you make excuses or you push you're, you're like oh well you know he was only like that because of this or, mm-hmm. or or maybe you for me it took me a while to break up with my ex because I I, you know, I'm a very spiritual person. So I was thinking I need to forgive him. I need to forgive him. Like I was taking on this burden of like forgiveness. So I guess my question is how do you know when to forgive people or when something's a red flag or something, maybe you're just being too uh, aggressive or (laughs) being too high maintenance what's the difference between a red flag and just you know something that you can move past that is an excellent question and I mean all of us are guilty of this we can all raise our hands it's everything that you said in the beginning we knew immediately (laughs) (laughs) we 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 always know we can pinpoint right in that very beginning stage okay I saw that in the beginning, but you know, we were over here in cotton candy land. So we, we dismiss it and overlook. And it is a great question because oftentimes we question our God given intuition. And really, um, and what I say in the dedication of my book is um, 
this book is dedicated to those who have ignored that who have ignored their instincts when it comes to love and relationships may give you the courage to accept what you already know to be true so you already know this in your heart it's typically not insecurity at all it's typically you know it's just like the little voice in your head when god speaks to you like yeah. oh, no i don't do that <laughs> you know, is that me or is that you, Lord? Is that me or you? Is that me or you? And you're going back and forth, but you already know, you know, who it is that's speaking to you. And it's the same here. That same little still voice on the inside of you where it's like, Ooh, I don't like that. He's not taking care of his kids. But maybe it's because, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, that, it's that internal eyebrow raise. We're like, Ooh, it is something that makes you cringe. You already know it in your heart. Now, that's not to say that some people aren't self-sabotaging. Yeah. They haven't dealt with certain issues and hurts that may make them a little bit paranoid in relationships to where they want to wreck them or find any little reason. Yeah, exactly. Because I know some people who are just like picky and will make up stupid stuff like oh you know what his like nails were too long and like these are literally things my friends are said like oh his shoes were not good or just (laughs) superficial things yeah that's superficial pettiness no 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 (laughs) the the red flags that I highlight in my book are the ones that cause turmoil later emotional spiritual mental, you know, and sometimes it can turn into a physical turmoil as well. Um, For example, my ex-husband, when I first met him, the night I met him, set the tone for the rest of our relationship. And I know some people can, like you said, you knew within the first week you saw some things. My ex didn't approach me when we first met. A friend of his came to me on his behalf. Now, am I saying this right? No. Because sometimes some people are shy and, you know, they need a wingman. No. <laughs> In this case, my ex-husband wanted to talk to me, I guess. Maybe it was pressure from the guys. But he had his friend come up to me. But in the rest of our relationship, I initiated everything. Mm, yeah, see, I don't... I literally had this exact conversation with someone yesterday. My friend texted me earlier this week and was like, oh, this guy liked you at the, we were at this event uh, Sunday. He saw you and he liked you and he wanted to get some info on you. And I immediately said, no, like we are fucking adults. Like, I don't like Like, we're not in middle school. I don't play this like, oh, this person likes me. We were at this event all day together. If he liked me, why didn't he come up to me and say something? Like, why is he telling you yes. to tell me? I don't have time for any of that shenanigans. Thank you. Good job, girl. <laughs> High five. <laughs> High five. Yes. Because it sets the tone for everything in my marriage. And, you know, let me just say this. My ex-husband is a wonderful person. He is. He has a good heart. Yes. He just fucks shit up. (laughs) In a way that is irreparable. Um, But he's he's an amazing father. And I respect him as a person. Terrible and horrible husband on all (laughs) sides. But 
he is a good person with a good heart and he's an A1 dad and I cannot take that away from him and I appreciate him so much because I could have been divorced and a single mom, but we just divorced and we keep it cordial and cool. Praise God. That's great. Throughout our entire relationship, I was the initiator and everything. Oh, let me tell you how else I screwed up. Because in this book, your facade is showing. It is not just about what he did wrong. I take full responsibility, as we all should, for the things I overlooked in the beginning that only became magnified later. But we have all done it or still do it. And it's time to stop ignoring ourselves is really the message that I'm trying to convey in this book. Because, okay, from the first step, I met him. He didn't approach me. So then, you know how they had that stupid three-day rule? And I know this is dumb. (laughs) Seven or eight years ago when we met. But (laughs) that three-day rule, I texted him because I felt that I gave him a hard time a little bit once we did talk at the club. And, oh, first of all, I met him at the club. (laughs) Listen, that's two at one time. He didn't approach me, and we were in the club. No, no, and no, no. (laughs) Hey, hey, I met my ex in the club. I mean, that also ended poorly, but... (laughs) I don't know what it is. Maybe... My my brother said this to me, because I used to be like, oh, I'm not meeting anybody in the club. Like, fuck those people. And my brother said, well, hey, you are in the club, so... He's like, you have such hatred for people in the club, but you in the club. So you consider yourself a nice, moral person and you're in the club. So who's to say that other nice, moral people aren't in the club? Like, everybody not like me, okay? Exactly. So I was like, I was like, okay, I guess. <laughs> but that was a good one. That was a good comeback <laughs> from your brother. But, you know, from him not approaching me and then... The three-day thing, I didn't hear from him for three days after giving him my number. And I'm an aggressive alpha female. Mm. And I texted him and I said, you know, I apologize for my, you know, the way I was acting towards him. I said, I would love to get to know you. And that night I was drunk and I'm sorry. (laughs) You know, I would love to get to know you, blah, 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 blah. And then he sends me back one sentence, honey. Mm. Okay, thanks. You have a great weekend. And I was like, (laughs) okay. That's like strike three. But do I listen to myself? No, I don't. I go for strike four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and beyond. So then two days later, I message him again because I'm a total idiot at this point. And for whatever reason, I like the chase because I'm crazy. And I text him. No, I call him and I say, why haven't you called me? Oh, my God. I said, if you really like me, I understand why you went through all that trouble to get my number, have your homeboy come and talk to me. Like, what is the point of this? We are adults. I don't have time for this. And you know what he said to me? Oh, I thought we were, you know, waiting a few days. Isn't that what you're supposed to do? And then he's <laughs> laughing. But that set the tone for the rest of our relationship. And when I tell you my entire marriage, I had to beg for communication. I was the one always trying to fix things. I was the one always working you know, to improve our relationship, to try to um, make the effort for date nights, especially after we had children and all those things. It set the tone. He showed me who he was in the very beginning, but I chose not to believe him. Wow. That chose not. So as I begged for him within those first few days, I was begging the seven years we were together. 
for mm-hmm. everything. When I say everything, I was begging for everything. And this is why um, I just stress the importance of recognizing things in the beginning so you don't waste your time. Although experiences are good and lessons are good, you can save yourself a whole lot of heartache if you're not hard-headed and listen to that intuition in the beginning. And we just want to ignore it so badly in the name of love and in the name of companionship, but it's just not smart and it's against our best interest. I can pinpoint everything that I saw in the beginning, but I pushed for it anyway, because I was like, I'm ready to settle down. I'm ready to be a mom. I'm ready for all these things. I'm ready for the family. And I was like, he's a nice guy. (laughs) (laughs) He's not a fuck boy like I'm used to. Yep. That's it. I need a nice guy. And even that was out of order for me too. And I know that there are so many other people women and men who have done the same thing. So, you know what? I'm tired of playing around. I just need somebody nice and calm. And that's, that wasn't even good for me. Not saying I don't need a nice guy, but it couldn't just be any nice guy. But yeah. I was patient at the time and I take full responsibility for that. But oftentimes we can see areas where we need to take responsibility as well. And that's what this message in this book is about. So whether you're single, you know, and like, let me see how I can prevent from getting in her situation or whether you're married and like, let me see how we can prevent <laughs> from getting in this. And what am I missing? Am I ignoring my spouse? Am I paying attention? Am I making all the efforts? I can't, you know, whatever stage you're in single dating, married, divorce, this book can apply to anyone to help you and provide insight in any way. But I know I screwed up and that's why I take responsibility on his end. He definitely screwed up in a major, major way that God has given me the grace to forgive him and be all right with (laughs) for the purposes of talking to all of you out there, which, I mean, I should still be angry, but I'm not, (laughs) but you know, it's just one of those things where you live and you definitely learn and now I know I can't ignore that little voice within. So that's great. So do you think that a lot of these issues, I was reading your one of your blogs on codependency. Mm. So I think honestly, I'm gonna make a wild statement that mo- some people <laughs> might get mad at, but I honestly think the vast majority of people are looking for codependency, not really love. Mm. I can tell you many of my friends, people I see, they feel like, especially women, I feel like we're kind of trained to believe this less so than men that like you basically, if you don't have a man or you're not in a relationship, like your life is worthless, basically. Oh my God. Like when you meet your family, some the first things your family will say after you haven't seen them in a while is like, oh, you got a boyfriend, you got a man. Like, doesn't matter your sexuality. You're supposed to, whatever, you got a girlfriend, doesn't matter. You're supposed to be in a relationship. With somebody. Yeah, it's like, you can't just exist as a person by yourself. Or if you are, you're supposed to be sad and lonely. And, but... So I feel like a lot of people just search for relationships just so they can say they're in a relationship. Mm. And then once they're in it, it's like you're depending on this other person to fulfill your every need and to give you happiness. But other people can't give you happiness. Like you can only find happiness within. And like, so 
that's my little man (laughs) put that blog post out and let me just say something about my platform as I'm building and growing my audience my supporters I call them my secret squirrels (laughs) because (laughs) they may not like my post they may not comment but let me tell you they be reading my stuff and they will dm me like girl or they'll email me like, yes, I needed this so bad. Thank you. Or, or I've been going through it. Why? Because again, this is where transparency is important. This is why I put it out there. I did not realize how many people were dealing with the same thing. I had that aha moment a few weeks ago because I was like, God, please, what is this loneliness that I cannot shake? Because my whole divorce process and healing process moved very swiftly and quickly. And that was more of a spiritual thing because I I just feel like I should not have been able to move forward so fast. But I also feel that I was grieving my marriage long before, years before it ever ended. I was already grieving it. And, you know, once everything, once the nail was in the coffin, it was like, yeah, I I, I saw this coming. So, and here it is. But um, the codependency piece, as I've talked to people since that blog post has come out, a lot of a lot of people that I've spoken with with that issue had it's it, it started from childhood. Yeah, it, it, everybody started from childhood that I have spoken with thus far that has reached out to me, and they were ignored by their parent in some way. And it's not even some these stories like the parent wasn't abusive or malicious in any way they may have just worked all the time and the kid was kind of left on their own but when you're a vulnerable little person (laughs) and you need that love and affection and validation from mommy or daddy and you don't get it when you grow up you're still that little person looking for that love affection and validation but now from whoever you're involved with And what I had to learn through this process as I'm still going through this rediscovery phase is I had to let go of that eight-year-old scar, Debbie. I had to, you know, pretty much let her know, like, girl, what's done is done. You've resolved these issues with your mom. Like, let it go. She's here and ever-present now in your life. Like, (laughs) let it go, girl, because it was holding me back and it was like a dark cloud of loneliness I was like I don't even want to feel this way I should be happy being free right now and learning who I am again and you know just being me and I couldn't find that happiness or that peace within myself because I was still dealing with oh I need someone to validate me oh I just yeah. I just want to hug or oh I just want some dick <laughs> you know <laughs> You know, whatever. We all have those moments. (laughs) It's like, but why, girl? But why do you need it? So, like, and I came to that point a couple weeks ago. Like, why am I like this? What is going on? And I just laid and I prayed and I said, God, please reveal to me what's wrong because I am the type that once He shows me the root, I can attack it head on. And I started researching and you know, doing whatever I need to do to uproot it. And if I need to take it a step forward, if I can't do it on my own, I'll go get counseling. Mm. Just to make sure I don't have to deal with this crap ever again. So um, the codependency piece, that that was a huge aha moment for me. And it was also a huge aha moment for other people. 
as well because we don't even realize sometimes such a yearning I think it's sort of like our culture teaches us that codependency is sort of normal like most people don't think it's codependent they think that's they think that's just supposed like how you're supposed to act like well I'm in love so that's why I'm crazy and I'm like no that's not normal like listen to all the songs you listen to on the radio are always like I can't breathe if you leave me I can't do I'm like no this is a horrible song like we should not be telling people this Exactly. You're able to breathe if someone leaves you. It's not like, of course, you'll be sad, but whatever. Like, get over it. Exactly. No, no, no other person should like fulfill you to that extreme because you you are your own source. Like, your energy is not coming from others. It's coming from the divine spirit, the creator, whatever you want to call it. And you, it's not from out outward it's within you know I'll take it a step further my first book was about generational curses and soul ties it's called residue and if you look back in your family history especially if you have certain issues you can see the pattern Mm -hmm. in your family ties you know, like if all the women are docile in your family, you know, and all the men are aggressive, you know, there's your pattern. And you're like, well, why is that? And then you start digging and digging and digging. And then you realize you're a part of a toxic generational cycle. Yeah. And I realized that um, in my own family as well. And I'm kind of been on this, well, not me on my own, but God kind of led me to be like, no, you have to break the link. So your children don't have to endure this same crap unnecessarily because somebody is finally acknowledging that, hey, like you said, society teaches us that certain things are normal. And it's like, no, it ain't. (laughs) It's like when I put out my book about generational curses and soul ties, people be like, oh, I just thought this stuff that was going on with my family was normal. It's like, no abuse it's not normal um nor is it healthy Uh, you don't have to live like this but because oh my god I can talk about this for days especially in our community certain things are considered the norm that are extremely toxic to us in our mental and emotional and spiritual well-being that yeah. we don't even realize, but it's been here for centuries and it's so much undoing and unlearning we have to do to get to a healthy space as a people, you know? And that's, that's also part of my mission as well. That's why healing is so important to me because if we don't heal, we can't progress. You know, sharing things about the past, for me, it's not about staying stuck there. It's about uprooting it so that you can be free and experience the peace that you deserve so that you can move forward in your life. Because we don't need to stay stuck in the past and constantly harp on it. No, we need to uproot what's going on, talk about it, face it, and move forward so that we can be the people that we were destined to be. But I can get on my soapbox about generational (laughs) stuff and how it's all linked and how codependency, you can find the link somewhere, you know, in there, or you can trace it back because you really can with this stuff because it all comes from somewhere. Like, hey, okay, with my mom, 
uh, I had the attachment injury situation happen when she was working all the time and she wasn't really there. And, you know, in our community, it's typically strong women, weak mm-hmm. men, unfortunately. But that's <laughs> a generational, that is a generational curse too. If we take it back to the Willie Lynch letter, although they say that's a hoax letter, you could still see the definite parallels today of things mentioned in that Willie Lynch letter. But again, before I go off on a tangent, <laughs> but, you know, my mom babied my brother. Yeah. But she saw oh, me. And I'm like six. I'm like, what? I just, I don't know what I'm doing. You're good, baby. You good? She's like, I always knew you were strong enough to handle yourself. Is what she would, is what she told me when we unpacked this later. But with my brother, she would help him do everything. She would do everything for my brother. And but that goes back to well, how did my grandmother treat my mom? She was the only girl, and there were seven boys. But you wow. coddled the boys and kind of isolated my mom. So, oh, you're you'll be strong. You're fine. But then what happened to my grandmother? My grandmother, did, my great grandmother, did the same thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, where did this come from? <laughs> and we'll just see. Yeah, I like learned behavioral patterns, like you're saying, and people don't even realize that that is not normal because that's how they have been taught. So they just keep teaching generations, like you said. And it's painful to go through the unlearning process. And some people don't want to, you know, their identity is wrapped up in what they've known or think to be true because they feel like that's who they are and they can't imagine being or evolving into someone else because they can't imagine what that would, who that would be or look like, even if it's for their betterment. That's so true. It's, it's much easier to just stay on the same level, even if it's unhappy. It reminds me of my friend, my best friend used to be a teacher and she was saying how um, she used to teach in, you know, disadvantaged areas. And she worked with this one girl to make sure this girl went to college. Like she would stay later with this girl. She helped her with her applications, helped her with her scholarships. And this girl got into college and everyone was happy. And all she had to do was show up to take um, like a placement test basically to see what classes she would get in her freshman year. She didn't show up to the test. My, my friend is pissed. She goes up to her and is like, what are you doing? I've been working with you this entire year. What happened? The girl's like, oh, I got pregnant by this dude. Mind you, this girl's 19. She got pregnant by a 15-year-old. And she, she's like, okay, well, that's fine. Like, you can still have your baby and go to school. Like, there's programs. I'll look into funding. We can still do it. And she was like, no, like, she, this girl, it was so sad, but she literally said to my friend, like, no one in my family has been in, been to college, but everyone in my family had babies young and they're okay. So I'm just going to do what they did. Wow. And she said, like, my friend said it broke her heart, but it's like, you can't really, you can help people, but if they don't want to help themselves, you, you can't really do anything. Mm. It was really sad, but. I mean, what what can you do? She, you know, a lot of people feel stuck. Yeah. To their circumstance. I know people that you could be their biggest cheerleader. You can try to show them the light. Like there is so much more out there for you. You can do it. 
But again, they can't see past what their identity is wrapped yeah. in. They can't see anything better because they, they haven't had the example of it. But if everybody's not mentally strong enough to make the choice to say no more. That's true. Say enough. It stops with me. And it's, it's sad. Yes. But hopefully, you know, like through your podcast and through everything that you do and through what I do, we can continue to uplift people and just at least sow the seeds. Yeah. To push people along like, hey, you don't have to stay stuck. You don't have to stay where you are. There's better, there's more, but you know, and I'm reading this book and I don't have it near me, but um, it's called like Returning to Love mm. like that by Marianne Williams. Oh, I love her. Yes. Well, she's my favorite. I literally, when I'm at work, I like listen to her lectures on YouTube <laughs> like during the day. And my girlfriend was like, please read the book. Please read the book. Cause she and I are, um, journeys for this past six months have been so parallel um especially with the uh moving forward from codependency Mm -hmm. stuff and she's like read this and when I tell you I'm just starting to read it and I've had to put it down just to sit with it a little bit Mm -hmm. and let it marinate but she is talking about how we were born into so much fear and how the world has a fearful of everything, you know, almost afraid of success, afraid of growing, afraid of being better, afraid of everything. When really, you know, God wanted us to be born in love and in peace. And how do we get back to a love state of mind, even though the world, you know, and how things are basically structured at this point are based around fear like if you don't go to school you know if you don't get your degree then you're gonna be a failure and you're not gonna you know what I'm saying it's like everything feels like that you know it's so much pressure and it just makes no sense even as a little kid you gotta do good on these standardized tests because if you don't we're not gonna promote you you know it's just like chill and that's (laughs) what she's saying in the book like we have to get to a place of peace so we're not so fearful of everything because that fear is what drives us into things like codependency or toxic relationships or miserable jobs you know it 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 can it pushes us in so many different directions and I just brought that up you know based on what you were saying like we have to get back to a healthy space or discover what that healthy space looks like you know and undo so much mentally to get there that's a hundred percent true. So I want to ask you about like a topical romantic situation. I don't know if you follow, um, but I, you know, on my Instagram, my Twitter, everyone's making memes about this uh, Ariana Grande being engaged. <laughs> She's got engaged to this the dude from SNL, and they've only known each other like three like two four weeks? weeks, apparently. Man, <laughs> I saw that. I just, I didn't know if it was true or not. Yeah, it's true. I thought they were joking when they said, oh yeah, they've only been together like a week. <laughs> I thought it was a joke. I was like, oh, I think okay. it's been like four or three weeks. <laughs> so. 
I mean, and they were both in like very long term relationships before, you know. Um, she was dating Mac Miller, he was dating um, Larry David's daughter, Cassie David. And this was just like a month ago, they were both with other people, and then I guess they immediately broke up with these people and now they're engaged like (laughs) three weeks later so everyone's very shocked but I just wanted to take it down to reality level like do you in your opinion do you think that people can fall in love that quickly I my sort of mind is that after a relationship I believe that people should spend some time alone but maybe that's just my um, opinion. Like, what do you what do you think are some best practices after you break up with someone? Please, God, take some time for yourself because <laughs> you know we do stuff on a whim um, when we are raw and open and bleeding out. <laughs> like anybody, you look like a good band aid. <laughs> Exactly. It matters worse when you really need stitches and ointment and you need to sit down somewhere for a few (laughs) until you get yourself back together. I don't put time limits on love, but I do feel like healing is absolutely necessary after relationships because, uh, I mean, I put myself out there. When I knew that my marriage was over and uh, I filed for divorce, like, it was like a few months later, the right person hopped in my DMs. And I was like, this is a fine time for me to be free again. <laughs> and um, in hindsight, that was a mistake because I really wasn't done processing at all. I was in counseling though because I was dealing with some severe anger issues at the time because I thought I was going to be on snap for two seconds. And I was like, let me go to therapy to reel this anger all the way back in. And I talk about that in detail in my book. <laughs> you know, if you've gone through, if you've had to divorce somebody and they pretty much set you up for the okie doke, you might feel like you're going to stab them to death. <laughs> you know, for your own good, need to put yourself in counseling because, you know, you don't want to go to jail. Jail is not fun. There is nothing cool there. <laughs> so just bring that back in. But in that, in all of that raw emotion, the right person hopped in my DMs and I was like, I could go for a casual encounter or so. And then that casual encounter turned into a relationship somehow. And then it turned chaotic very, very fast. And now I'm like, that should have never happened. But it was a lesson well learned. I just feel like they're always going to be the rebound. Yeah. It doesn't turn out like that all the time, but more times than not, when you haven't given yourself time to heal and just be with yourself, man, you're opening up a can of worms. And sometimes that rebound just helps you get over that hump, you know, but you're still going to have to sit with whatever issues were there prior Mm -hmm. to them um, coming in the picture. I just, if I could, I don't, I have no regrets, but if I could do it all over again, I would have given myself time. Yeah, I think it just all goes back to the codependent. Yes, I was just thinking. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I was just saying, oh yeah, that ties into the, yeah. the need of feeling like, I, well, I need somebody here. I need somebody, you know, next to me. I need to feel that warmth. I, I need to cuddle. I need to, you know, just whatever. But and then you look and it's like that codependency is such 
um, a fog. It's such a foggy thing to even go by because it's not grounded in logic in any way it's just based on I just need somebody to fill this void or whatever and meanwhile you're looking for them to fill something and then your cup is cracked (laughs) what you're trying to have them fill up so as they're pouring in it's all coming back out anyway so you're wasting your time you just need to fix your cup first (laughs) that is a great analogy (laughs) exactly you fix your cup you pour into it and as one of my greats um one of my other I'll call her auntie because Yana's like mother (laughs) auntie Lisa Nichols you know she says you give from your overflow Mm. give from your overflow and codependency wants you to give from nothingness want you to get from nothingness and it's like I need you to give it to me even though I have nothing here I'm not holding anything myself emotionally at this point I want you to give me all of your emotions or whatever um to make it work or some people have codependency on a different spectrum too that makes them very manipulative or they're looking for someone to fix um yeah. so that they don't have to deal with their own issues yes. yeah I know people like yeah. that like and it is mind blowing um to me and the never mind I'll keep that to myself (laughs) I dealt with someone like that who felt it was their duty to fix other people and if somehow in their mind if they weren't in the other person's life it's like, oh, well, how are they going to get their healing? How are they going to get their breakthrough? How are they going to be able to go on with themselves? I'm like, uh, they're effing adults yeah. and they figure it out. They don't need you. But really their life was wrapped around who, who can I put on my cake for? Who can I be a savior to? And it's like, um, how about you worry about yourself? And like, it was, it was mind blowing to me, but that showed me a different side of what codependency looks like because you distract yourself from you and the things that you need to do. So, and it was almost narcissistic as well because it's like, mm-hmm. oh, I don't want somebody that can take care of themselves because then I don't have a job to do. I want somebody who needs me and who I can take care of seemingly. And, you know, it's just like, what? But anyways. That, no, you're right. <laughs> glad you've mentioned a few times that you know that you go to counseling which I think is really great because I think a lot of people have a hard time um there's a stigma against you know mental health and wellness issues and people think well I don't need that I don't I don't need I'm not crazy like that's what people are always gonna start like quick to say I'm not crazy I don't need to talk to anyone but it's not about being crazy like we all if you are alive as a human, there are going to be times when you're going to go through bouts of depression. You're going to be angry. This, These are just things about being alive in the world. Like You're not going to have a smooth sailing, even keeled life. So I think it's really important, even if you don't have you know access to, to funds to be able to afford to go to counseling, to at least have someone in your life that you feel comfortable with and that you can trust to, you know, be vulnerable with and to have just someone you can talk to and not hold things inside. So I'm really glad that you are so open about that. 
Oh yeah, we we need to make that normal. It's so funny. My um, well, first let me say why I, I'm not in counseling at this moment, but I absolutely went to counseling when I saw. I was spiraling out of control anger wise because, you know, there are like five stages to grief. It's like the denial and then sadness and then, you know, the bargaining and then you accept it. And then there's anger in there somewhere, but everybody gets those in different orders. I went through the bargaining and denial and um, sadness stages way long before. Boy, that anger hit me. Mm. really really bad and I had two children I had a six-year-old and I have a two-year-old and I love my children so much they're so amazing they're my they're my babies and I was like if I don't get this under control I'm not gonna be the mom that I need to be as I'm going through this situation and you know although I'm gonna have to grieve and heal I want to do this in the healthiest way possible for my children because my goal is not to screw, screw my children up if I can help it <laughs> because yeah. a lot of people are walking up walking around screwed up because of things that have happened in their childhood not that it was an, even an intentional thing on their parents not even blaming their parents but just things have just happened and they weren't um approached or taken care of in a certain way and therefore the children are impacted and I strive not to do that as much as I can I even have open dialogue with my six-year-old about any and everything you know age level appropriate of course but still I want to keep that open communication there so that we can talk about everything emotions are okay in my house you know open discussions are okay questions are okay all that like I'm not raising him like how we were raised like uh stay out of wrong old business (laughs) oh like no I want there to be open dialogue because I want healthy babies mentally emotionally and spiritually so anyways, I got in counseling for them and for myself. And even at one point, I was suicidal. Because like you said before, society teaches us, oh, if you're not there, oh, you, you're just nothing. Oh, you, how dare you get a divorce? How dare you? You're supposed to stay through thick and thin, whether you get your ass whooped or not. Whether this is happening or not. Like, you get what I'm saying? Whether they have three different families or not. You're supposed to. <laughs> what is wrong with you and I believe our generation is like nah I'm good on that (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. if we're going to do it for the long um, and by the way let me say I am pro-marriage and pro-love of all kinds I am pro-marriage and pro-love this is not I'm not a leave your man (laughs) (laughs) at all I'm saying leave your toxic (laughs) relationship (laughs) I'm all for health I'm all for improvement you know, as long as it's the two of you putting in that work, yes, 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 and yes. But if it's just you by yourself, boo-boo, um, it, don't, it doesn't need to be you by yourself. Y'all are supposed to be a team, a partnership, and working together. So I don't want it to seem like I'm a sour grape because I'm really, really not. I love marriage. If I could still be married, I would, but he's an idiot, so I can't. <laughs> But I think what you said about what you you said about both of you have to be putting in the work. I think that's really key because for me, like it takes me a while to get out of relationships because, like I said, I think I need to be forgiving of people and not everyone's perfect. And like I sort of have this 
I don't know, like nice person syndrome. <laughs> like, or, like I said, I, I'm always trying to forgive people and, and turn the other cheek or whatever. But forgiveness is fine. But if the person doesn't even admit that they're doing something wrong, that's a problem. And B, if you're always the one trying to work and solve issues, but the other person isn't putting in any effort, I think that's when you have to just walk away. Like, I do think that people sometimes walk away too quickly. Like, oh, we had a fight about going to the restaurant. Okay, bye. Like, we're broken up. Like, that's stupid. (laughs) But when you have, like, real issues that both parties have to be willing to work on these issues and come to some sort of agreement. But if it's just one person always trying to to initiate dialogue or make some change and the other person isn't willing, then I think that's when you just have to give it up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's how my marriage was. Mm-hmm. I was alone a lot of times and he was just there to go along to get along. I mean, if I can describe it perfectly, I was like a fixture in my marriage. I was a mom and I was a wife and I needed to stay within those parameters. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if I wanted anything emotional or affection wise, it's like, nah be a mom, be a wife, (laughs) you know, but not a wife that wants emotional things, you know, (laughs) for me. And it was just the strangest situation. I mean, can you imagine just constantly, um, like, Hey, let's spice things up and you're going out of your way, you Mm -hmm. know, putting on your sexiest lingerie, you know, (laughs) dipping strawberries yourself. (laughs) okay having champagne flowing doing all this stuff and getting a lackluster response it's like eh? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? but doing that all the time because at the time I was a stay-at-home mom at one point and I'm just what can I do let me plan date night let me plan this and make sure the kids are you know asleep early let me make sure I look good when you come home and it's just like crickets no matter what I did. And it's like, I'm cute or whatever. So <laughs> there was no reason <laughs> for things to be so dead all the time. But I understood once everything hit the fan, why um, I had to pull teeth no matter what. And even he and I went to counseling. Mm-hmm. Before. But again, he was a go along to get along type of person. Like, okay, you want me to go to counseling? I'll go. But what's his heart in it? No, not really. And that goes back to both of y'all have to be in it so you know if you're if anybody is listening that's in that situation where you are spinning your wheels right now and you're doing everything that you possibly can to keep this relationship together and it's all you and this person is kind of like eh, and okay I see you over there working hard I see you I see you sweating I see you out there building, putting concrete blocks down. I see you. It looked good. And then they turn back around and keep watching TV. That's what it feels like. It's like, but you're not going, you're not going to help me out here. You see, I'm trying to build this house. Or, nah, I'm good. I'm just sitting over here and I'm drinking this cold glass of water. But I see you though. I see you building. You're doing a great job. <laughs> like, sis, run, run. Your heart has told you already has spoken to you very loud and clear that you were doing this alone. You are not going crazy. This is another thing I say. It's like the very first chapter of the book. It's not you. Because a lot of times we feel like, am I going crazy? Like you said in the beginning of our conversation. Am I going crazy? Am I insecure? 
am I self-sabotaging right now? Am I losing it? No, if you asking yourself all those questions, you are of sound mind, sweetie pie. Because you're trying to make sure that you're not. You're not jumping the gun. You're taking a moment to step back and self-evaluate. So no, listen to that little voice. And I know it's going to take some courage. But you may have to pray about, Lord, give me the courage to step away from this situation. Strip this from me. Because you have been in it alone and that sucks. There's no worse feeling than being alone with someone. (laughs) Like, it's (laughs) counterproductive. But, you know, it happens to the best of us. And you will get through it. That is true. So I guess to wrap everything up, do you have a few, I guess, tips or any, uh, just a succinct list or maybe a sentence that you want to leave everyone with so that they can, you know, move forward with healthier relationships? Sure. The first one is, of course... Stop ignoring yourself. Mm-hmm. Stop ignoring yourself. You know what you're doing. You know what you're feeling. Listen. Listen. You are not going to lead yourself in the wrong direction. The heart knows. But it's up to you to take the heart's advice. The quote that we've all heard time and time again from the late Maya Angelou, when someone shows you who they are, believe them the first time. And it is the absolute truth. But that has to start with you listening to yourself. And that will solve majority of your problems. No matter how bad you feel your situation is, take the first step to trusting you, trusting your own judgment. Mm, that is so true (laughs) that Maya Angelou quote like I tell that to my friends I have to repeat it to myself because you know I just met someone and I'm having issues I'm I'm having issues but I know that like if he's already doing this stuff now in my (laughs) exactly (laughs) things only amplify over time they do not lessen and obviously no one is perfect everyone has their own issues I have my own issues but you have to be able to deal with those issues and if you're already seeing like major like this is not compatible issues when you first meet someone it's not going to I feel like we like to fool ourselves and think, oh, it'll get better. And like, no, it just gets worse. It doesn't get better. So if you can't deal with it now, then you're not going to be able to deal with it. Absolutely. The very last chapter of my book is called Cancel the RSVPs. Mm. And this is about what things have you subconsciously sent out invitations to in your life? Because a lot of times, whatever we're attracting, we could trace it back to ourselves. And again, I'm not a self-blame person, but I am an accountability person because we can find in ourselves how we're getting um, into the same type of relationships or situations time and time again. And even what you said, the guy that you're dealing with now, what are your non-negotiables? Mm-hmm. is whatever he has going on that has you raising your eyebrow or any of those non-negotiables is it something that you feel you could work through is it is it something that you feel is really going to blow out of proportion later and if your answers to those questions are uh, i don't know <laughs> maybe, 
is this really worth my time or am I just chilling? Is it just going to be a casual thing and I can keep it separate, you know? But I know this is going to come to an end real soon. Cool. If you can keep it where it needs to be based on what he's showing you, great. But if you feel like, nah, let me save myself some time, it's completely up to you. And that's what Cancel the RSVPs, that final chapter is about doing what is absolutely best for you. You know what you can handle. You know what you cannot handle. What is up to you? You know you better than anybody else. And if taking on this other person's crap while you got your own stuff going on is not the move for you, and you know that in your heart, be like, you know, you cool and all, but uh, we gonna have to part ways. <laughs> if you feel like, all right, you know, this is something I can deal with, keep move forward as you wish, as you like. If it's just, you know, this is just temporary, and I just, you know, want some company for now, but they will definitely be getting gone ASAP. <laughs> Do you yeah. too? I think it's that last one. <laughs> <laughs> Do you too? Hey, listen, it's all about what works best for self. And as long as you know your limits and boundaries, you are good to go. Oh, thank you. And thank you for your time. I want you, can you please tell the listeners, you know, where they can find your books and where they can find your social media so everyone can follow you? I love Instagram with all my heart. I'm on Facebook too, um, but I make it very easy. It's at Debbie L. London, D-E-B-B-I-E-L-L-O-N-D-O-N, at Debbie L. London on Facebook and Instagram. Um, You can go to my website to get my books. Guess what it is? DebbieLondon.com. <laughs> Good branding. <laughs> and there you will find um, my book section, and you can pick either my first book, Residue Surviving and Overcoming the Stains of Generational Curses and Soul Ties, or my new book that came out on my birthday this year, Your Facade is Showing a Divorcee's Perspective on Accepting Relationship Red Flags the First Time. I also have a weekly blog that I do every single Tuesday called Talk It Through Tuesdays where I just talk about whatever has come to my mind over that weekend, whatever I'm reflecting about or sorting through or unpacking. I pretty much talk about it in that blog just to help you sit with something (laughs) during the week. And I also have started um, within the past month, my Facebook live sessions, which is Truth and Transparency Thursdays. I'm all about community. I'm all about lifting up my beautiful black sisters so i interview a dope black woman every single thursday at 8 p.m eastern standard time on my truth and transparency thursday's facebook live and you can go to that tab on my website as well to catch up on previous episodes so i try to feed you in many different ways if i can <laughs> whatever works for you well that's amazing so i'm i'm gonna you know, check out that vlog and I hope the listeners do too. And Debbie, thank you so much for calling in. We we laughed. I learned <laughs> and it was really great talking to you. It was so great talking to you, Ray. You're amazing. I love your super chill vibe. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for having me. I so appreciate it. Oh, well, I appreciate you. Thanks.
Hey guys, thanks for listening to the episode. I have a great deal for you if you are an entrepreneur, if you're looking to grow your business, increase your sales and whatnot. So one of my favorite guests of the podcast, Dave Anderson, also known as the Business Bully. Uh, He was on the episode as part of the Get Your Life series where we were giving people advice on how to, you know, just get their lives together. He is known as a business bully because he's a business coach. That's what he does. And he wanted me to let all my wonderful listeners know about his new lesson plan. You will get personally coached by him. You'll increase your productivity. I think it's a great deal for anyone that's an entrepreneur. So if you're interested in learning from him, he's amazing. He's an Amazon a bestseller for his business books. He's been featured on Gary Vaynerchuk's podcast, uh, CNN, a host of other, you know, important type media and shows. So it's really a great offer. So if you're interested, I'm going to leave a link to his program in the description of this podcast. You can also follow him on Instagram at the business bully to get more info. And yeah, just tell me Ray from the stuff I don't like podcast. Thank you, and you will hook it up for sure. Thanks, guys. Also, if you have not subscribed to my mailing list to get your free pin, please take yourself over to stuffidontlike.net to get that. I just sent out the first batch of pins to everyone uh, this weekend, and it was cool. It was so great to see people from all over the country who listen to this podcast because I'm just a little girl up in my room in LA recording this so to know that people from you know New York and Maryland and Texas are listening to the show it really means a lot so thank you so much and you will get your pin shortly if you ordered them and if you have not ordered them you know why are you wasting your time it's free free shipping free pin nothing to worry about just go to my website stuffidontlike.net also put the link in the description of this episode so you can sign up there thanks so much for listening to the show guys and i'll see you next week or i guess you'll hear me next week because i won't see you that was incorrect of me to say (laughs)